You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another Three Mall Pod. I am your host today, Cole Mambeck, joined as always by publisher and editor at K State Online at On Three, Derek Young. No John Kurtz this morning, but uh, we're going to talk about Kansas State's 81 to 67 victory over West Virginia in Morgantown. A really nice win for Wildcats as they get off to a 2 0 start in Big 12 play and 12 and 3 overall. First, as always, we have to thank our friends and supporters at Holiday Distillery 360 Vodka. I know I was toasting a glass last night as I watched the Wildcats win that game on ESPN Plus of a uh, Ben Holiday bottled in Mon Bourbon that I had uh, poured on the rocks. So get on out there and uh, stock up for the rest of hoop season and enjoy some Ben Holiday bottled in Mon Bourbon or some 360 vodka. All right, Derek, Kansas State wins the game 81-67. to They're now 2-0 and in league play. They knocked off UCF last Saturday by 25 in Manhattan and while the schedule has been somewhat favorable to Kansas State to start league play, I, I thought I thought that was a really impressive win last night and how K-State went about it. What were some of your general takeaways? Yeah, I, I think uh, everyone's going to say, well, West Virginia's 5-10, and 10, UCF. UCF's not good. But you blast UCF by 25. You were up 60-25 to 25 at one point. You, you really dominated almost start to finish against West Virginia, right? So... I think you feel good at least by the way that you handle the Mountaineers in their own building because you mentioned it not too long ago. It wasn't it was less than two weeks ago when West Virginia went to a neutral site and gave Ohio State everything that they wanted and Ohio State's a top forty Ken Pop team. I think West Virginia's gonna have a lot of bad days in this league. Where, you know, the the first game I think they essentially got forty balled by Houston. But I think they're going to be a tough out at home for the most part. So that 81-67 win at Morgantown will probably never look good on a resume. But if you look deeper into it, as the season goes on, it'll probably look impressive if you really try to mince things. Because I think that they're going to you know, be in a lot of close games at home and win a few of those. But like I said, this one was controlled by K-State, you know, all the way through. I think the last lead that West Virginia had was like five to four. So uh, they didn't really have a lead the entire game outside of the first few minutes. It, and Kansas State, they win by 14, largest lead of 15, got four guys in double figures. A couple guys get right, and we could probably dig deeper into those weeds as we go on and analyze this game. But some people are going to dismiss how impressive K-State looked the last two games because of the opponent, but I thought we saw some things in those games and in consecutive games showing a little bit more consistency than what the Wildcats have exhibited for most of this year. D.Y., I do have to say, West Virginia took a, a brief lead for like 10 seconds when they went into half, 42-40, to 40. but then right. K-State, but, but they didn't last long because K-State came right out of the gate and they hit West Virginia with a 17 to five scoring run, which shows the maturity of this team. Because I, I said this on our Patreon post game show on three patreon.com slash three mall last night, DY that, you know, you could have gone into the locker room as Kansas state and been a little bit frustrated. You shot 60% from the floor 
you uh, you felt like you controlled that half and you were down by two. West Virginia, which was a team that was 29, 29% from three on the year, 317th in the country, they went 6-12 of 12 from beyond the arc in the first half. But Kansas State comes out and hits them with a 17-5 to 5 run to start the second, takes a 10-point lead, and and they really controlled it from there. I, I thought they uh, they put their foot down in the second half, which was a nice and impressive to see. Yeah, I was looking at the stats page. What I saw was the largest lead, which was 5-2. Yeah. Their yeah. largest was 5-2, to two, so I just assumed 5-4 being the last one. It was not because of the late the half. They went into the half with the lead. Um, David Gasson, I, I, I think it's probably important to start there. Obviously, he's always going to be a bit offensively limited in what he can do. Can't do a lot of things, but he can do a few things really, really well, and, and that showed itself in Morgantown, I thought. I mean, he finishes with 17 points. That's probably got to be close to a career high for him, if not a career high. Probably not, but I bet it's close. And and then at the end of the day, uh, what he can do, rebounding the basketball this year, one of the best rebounders in the Big 12 at this point, I don't think that's going to change throughout this season. And do they give an all-defensive team in the Big 12, an all-Big 12 defensive team? Because he deserves to be on it, too. Because we've talked about it at length, um, and it probably – is a little deceiving because they gave up 40 points in the first half, 42 points in the first half to West Virginia. But this defense, this team is riding on their defense this year a lot more than their offense, even though their offense did show some flashes against West Virginia last night. But I think this team's defense is the reason largely why they're in the position they're, they're in. They could be in a lot worse shape if it wasn't for that improvement. I believe it went... It's gone from, but basically, you know, we talked about this a few times now at Remall, but I think it went from like 121st to in the 30s in essentially three to four weeks. It's been that good. And this defense is where it is. Um, and it's ticking the way it's ticking because of David Gasson. I think he is the engine that makes this defense go. Yeah, second to, to your question, D.Y., second most points in David Gasson's 101-game college basketball career. He scored 23 last year against Abilene Christian, um, but that was it. Other than that, the 17 points against West Virginia last night were the most that he scored in his career. He's played in 101 games. He was obviously terrific from the floor, 7 of 8 on field goal attempts, 7 rebounds. You mentioned it. I mean, we, we talked about it on the preview show, too. His versatility and ability to guard one through five, I mean, he is an incredible defender. It, he absolutely should be an all-Big 12 defender when uh, when you look at it. And the other thing, D.Y., I mean, so... Free throw. Yeah, he's now... He went three of three. Did he even touch the rim on last night's free throw? I don't know. Somehow, I mean, maybe it was always in his head, although he was pretty poor all of last season, too. But somehow, the light has flashed, and he's... In the last, like... Eight to ten free throws. It seems like he's kind of figured it out a little. Yeah, he's thirteen to twenty-one from the free throw line over his last four games. Look, that doesn't sound great. It's sixty-two percent. It's six sixty-two percent. You'll take that from him the rest of the year if you get it. And look, I, I think it's a mental thing for David because he's he's had the ability to hit threes in his career. So I, I think he's a skilled player. And you know, one thing about his offensive game that I think people probably don't realize he he is a when he gets the ball at the rim. He's a terrific finisher. I mean, he he finishes most shots at the rim. It's just he's not a guy that's going to usually put it on the floor, make a, a couple moves, and then get to the rim himself. You know, he's going to rely a little bit on a help to to get the ball distributed to him. But 
you know, he's finishing at a high level now in his last four games. He's averaging almost 12 points and almost 10 rebounds per game, 17 to 29 from the floor over these four contests, which is 59%. Uh, I mentioned the free throw numbers already as well. So uh, playing really good basketball. And then D.Y. Will McNair. Will McNair goes 5 of 5 from the floor, has 12 points and has nine rebounds last night against the Mountaineers. I mean, I say, it didn't feel very good in live, though. It didn't feel You didn't think so? No. And I'm not going to criticize. I'm not saying he played a bad game, but it felt like there were some rough patches. The, he, stat, line, the stat line just doesn't align with my thoughts on Will McNair that game. And maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Well, I, I, I think he... I think he had some nice moments. He might have, he had some really nice rebounds that he had grabbed. I, I don't, yeah, I'm sure there were a couple moments that frustrated me as well. But you know, he ends up five of five from the floor with nine boards and twelve points. And you know, Dy, he's shooting sixty three percent from the floor now this year. And if you look at it, your two bigs last night go twelve of thirteen from the floor. Your two starting bigs, Gasson and McNair, for twenty nine points and sixteen rebounds and four blocks. I mean, it was. Yeah, you'll take that any night. And Jarrell Colbert added another four rebounds and what three blocks? So. Well, let's let let's talk about Jarrell Colbert real quick. I I thought he really gave them a spark in the second half with his defensive yeah. ability. I said, I said in the group chat that you know the Dorian Finister minutes of the last few games, and to be honest, he's paid the coaches back with relatively really good performances and showed that he's belonged in most of the time. But I think that message that he's what he's doing with Dorian Finister, rewarding him with minutes for the way he's playing. I thought he got that effort and that production and that kind of thing out of the other bench players last night because they saw that. They're like, all right. They basically mimicked that behavior because Drew Colbert came out a house of blaze, did the little things, wasn't just looking to score, you know, blocked, rebounded, uh, effort level high, energy level high, intensity level high. RJ Jones. Look, he only got a few minutes as well, and he made mistakes, to be honest. But it, the, those mistakes were born out of him trying so hard last night, I thought. Yeah. So there, there, like, there was a ball where he could easily just picked it up, passed it, maybe got in a fast break. But he wants to impress and prove to his coaches that he belonged on the court so much that he dove on the floor. Yeah. Which wasn't the right decision but you like where his attitude is at he's like okay i gotta these are the things that i gotta do to get the trust back from my coaching staff so i liked a lot of that kind of stuff i'm trying to and you know rich played a little bit no, no real big moments out of him but i thought you know there was some, there was poor decisions at times on the offensive end from dorian finister because i think he's still developing his offensive game all around I don't. I think it's a little underdeveloped there, and they're working on that, especially knowing when he needs to. Yeah, actually, there was a couple of times where I thought he made a mistake, turned it over, where he probably should have just shot the ball. Yeah. But other than other than that, again, the defense, the rebounding, he's really good. You know what? As an offensive player, he's one of their weapons in the fast break because he out hustles everybody every time he's on the court. Well, and he's a terrific athlete, so he can finish when he gets to the rim. He can go up, catch the lob, put it away. He can, you know, get to the rim, rim run. You know, I think he's got four dunks in the last two games. He had three last night. All th six of his points came on dunks. Uh, his six points against UCF were all at the rim as well. So, you know, and, and on the Colbert front, D.Y., wouldn't you agree? Like, he gives you something defensively as a big that you don't have in terms of his ability to, to rim protect. As long as he's locked in. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, he went up last night and just grabbed, like, just swatted a couple that were, you know, at the peak. You know, really impressive. Hopefully that was, uh, you know, Jarrell Colbert moving forward, RJ Jones, Michaela Rich. Maybe this is the game that, that brings those guys out now. I know RJ, like you mentioned, and Rich only played a couple minutes each, but it was encouraging to see both of them get on the floor in addition to Colbert and uh, give them some meaningful minutes. Last night, you going, going back to it, where we started this, I'm just saying, like, over the last, what, three weeks, I don't know if it's four, I can make a strong, strong case that Kansas State's MVP is David Gasol. Yep. Well, he's he's number three in the Big 12 in rebounding right now at eight and a half boards per because game. and What he's doing is consistently night in and night out as a defender and a rebounder. The offensive production points-wise probably comes and goes a little bit just because he's a little challenged at the four. And when he plays in those moments at the five is where he gets a lot of those offensive points because then he can roll as the five man towards the basket and he's got the advantage in that and especially the way he can finish. But as a defender, as a rebounder, it's night in and night out. But we're seeing from Tyler Perry in spurts is good. It's not a night in and night out thing yet, at least points wise, shooting wise. Arthur Kaluma is doing really well. But it, it's another you know what I mean? I feel like out of the guys, and I'm talking even Tyler Perry Arthur Kaluma, Cam Carter, David Gasson out of those four. Yeah. I feel like I can trust what I'm going to get Dave, from David Gasson the most out of those four, or at least what I want from him. I know that I'm going to get every night. The other three, I think maybe most nights, I don't know if I can trust I'm going to get it every night. Cam Carter's close, I think, just because, yeah, he's not shooting fantastically this year, but I think that's a lot because he's, taking the other team's best player on most nights for the defensive responsibility. So I would say Cam Carter, David Gasson. Arthur Kaluma is actually turning to this team's weapon because I think he's might be the most reliable three-point shooter. Well, we'll touch on that in just a moment. But uh, speaking of MVPs, we got to talk about our MVP and uh, home field apparel. They've always got you covered with some of the best K-State apparel that's out there at homefieldapparel.com. 40-plus K-State items to choose from. I'm currently rocking a home field apparel hoodie, one of the most comfortable hoodies that I own. All their home field gear is super sleek and comfortable. And uh, retro logos, all the things that you could possibly want. Get stocked up for the rest of college hoop season with home field apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. And as always, we've got you covered with the discount code 3MAW23. When you check out, enter discount code 3MAW23 at homefieldapparel.com. We'll be back to talk more K-State hoops when we come back from break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so let's start with Cam Carter, D.Y. 23 points last night. 10 of 10 at the free throw line. He's now 31 of 33 from the free throw line over his last six games. He is number four in the Big 12 at 87% from the foul line on the season. Tyler Perry is number one in the Big 12 at 93%. This was a thing last year, too. Marquise Noel, I think, was the best free throw shooter in the league. It's important to have your guards be able to be able to knock down free throws. And Cam Carter last night gets his head down and gets to the rim a lot and uh, shoots 10 free throws and makes them all. No, that's big. It was funny because I was like, I remember Perry missing one last night. I was like, wow, he missed yeah. one. And by the way, I think it was a flagrant one or something. Yeah. It was, it was the tech. Yeah. When they, he, he got fouled on a two point yeah. shot. Yeah. And nobody, and nobody's on the line. And he missed that by a lot. I actually thought. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, it's easier, especially on the road. I, it didn't matter home on the road. But yeah, you got two guys that could shoot free throws like that. You, you could close teams out and not feel bad about it. Well, I mean, D. John asked us on the uh, the preview show: Is Cam Carter a dude? He continues to show that to me. He's a dude. He's fourth in the league in scoring at sixteen point seven points per game. He's sit. I think he's actually. I'm sorry. He's sixth in scoring. He's fourth in steals at two point one steals per game, and then fourth in free throws. I mean, he's and he's a terrific defensive player. We all know that. I thought he was so big in the second half for Kansas State. He scored 15 of his 23 points in the second half, and like we mentioned, just got to the foul line and you know showed that he can kind of be that lead guard for the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, this team's operating right now. I'll, I'll say it this way. At one point, and I probably still feel this way, I said that Kansas State was best if Tyler Perry's their first or second best player. He might be their fourth right now, at least from a consistency standpoint. 
Yeah. And Arthur Kaluma now 22 of 57 from three in his career coming into this year, his first two years at Creighton, he shot 26 and a half percent from three as a freshman last year, 31%. This year, he's almost 39% from three. He went four of six from three last night. It's kind of interesting because you think I would have told you going into the game, D.Y., that Cam and Tyler Perry would go a combined two of 12 from three. You probably thought K-State might be in a little bit of trouble. But Arthur Kaluma was the guy burying him from beyond the arc. And uh, K-State goes 6 of 19 from three in the game. But he accounts for four of those makes. And uh, I don't think anybody else even attempted a three for K-State outside of Perry or and Carter. Maybe one other was attempted by Wildcats. But Kaluma's kind of just been there game in and game out like 15.2 points he's fifth in the league and rebounding as well with eight rebounds per game he just quietly went about and had 17 points and I, I think the most important thing by that he did last night he got two fouls in the first five minutes of the game and he played the final 35 minutes and I know he sat some in the first half he only played 10 minutes in the first half he played 28 minutes in the game but he did not pick up another foul in the entire game he never picked up a third foul the rest of the way yeah the the way and and that kind of goes into my other point where I kind of said all game and, and not to belabor this because I hate to be the guy that says the officials suck, but just the way they called that game, I don't think Kansas State could defend the way that they needed to defend. Well, I mean they look, there were probably you could argue a foul or two on those threes where they probably got into the shooter space too much, but on a couple of the others, I mean, man, they're they're landing two feet in front of the three point line. From where they shot like they're kicking their legs out do not do not fall for that in the nba it's an offensive foul uh just ridiculous but hey any game that tony padilla officiates you're going to see some random terrible stuff like that so um k-state in the second half dy so west virginia goes into halftime they were 12 to 25 from the floor they were 6 of 12 from three so they're shooting 48 percent from the floor and 50 percent from three in the second half west virginia goes 8 of 26 from the floor it's 31%, and they go 2 of 11 from 3. The law of averages kind of prevailed on the three-point shooting. And then I think you, you talked about defense so much at the beginning, so I'm just highlighting some of the numbers. Raekwon Battle had 18 points at halftime on 4 of 6 shooting. He finishes with 21 points on 5 of 13 from the floor. So he goes 1 of 7 in the second half and only 3 points. K-State really just locked down in the second half. Yeah, uh, you could do that when you got Cam Carter on the perimeter. He is... A defensive weapon. He's an offensive weapon, too. Don't get me wrong. He's a defensive weapon. They have, man, two of the best defenders in the league right now are Camp Carter and David Gassan. Yeah. And then uh, I thought the other other thing that was big, D.Y., K-State, 22 of 33 on two-point attempts in the game. They shoot 67% from the floor. They were just really good at finishing. Yeah, and the, pro- the only and the, and that would have looked a lot better if Cam didn't take some bad two-point jumpers in the first half. Whew. Yeah, that was that was his bugaboo. It has been his career. I mean, the, a few of those guys, Cam, uh, Arthur Kaluma at times, Data Ames, who's in a very very cold spell right now. Uh, those guys with their two point jumper sometimes get Kansas State into trouble. Uh, and we're and we're ready to go big picture. It's kind of what I said before the stretch started. Four and ones on the table. You've already taken care of business twice. You're two and zero. Oh. You have a tough game in Lubbock, but a winnable game in Lubbock. A very challenging game in Baylor that you probably assume is a loss the way the Bears are, the way Baylor is assembled, the talent that they have. They're a top two, top three team in the league. But you're going to give yourself a roll of the dice every time you play in Bramlage Coliseum. And then after that, 
another home game, and it's against one of the worst teams in the league in Oklahoma State. The beginning of Kansas State's schedule, they they need to thank Brett Yormark and whoever was the schedule maker because it's a very fortuitous start for Kansas State. Yeah, now, of course, after that, they've got at Houston, Iowa State on the road. I mean, it, it, Right, but, but at that point, you do have you, – you've raised the confidence of your entire team. Yeah. Right? And you increased your margin for error in a year where you feel like you're going to be shorthanded the entire season. Well, if so, you look at – yeah. It, I mean, if you look at big picture, DY, I mean, I think you feel pretty safe in this league with nine league wins getting you in the NCAA tournament. Now you, you start scratching things off the list. You only need seven more probably. It might matter who those nine are against, though, because yeah. there there are there are a couple of teams that are pretty rough right now, metric wise. And West Virginia is one of them. Like that win, essentially, at the end of the day, and Fan is right the way he's, he described this game before it. It sucks because typically there's no game in the league like this. But that win did nothing for Kansas State. A loss would have been catastrophic, but a win does you nothing. Well, I mean, they did since they did win it by uh, by fourteen. They um they moved up in Ken Palm from sixty one well, to fifty four. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's a quad two win at best. Like that's Yeah, I mean, it's it's currently a quad three right now. Now, does yeah. West Virginia does West Virginia when they get Jesse Edwards back soon? Because K State was fortunate they got to play him without Edwards as yeah. big, one of the best bigs uh, in the country. But like, what Fay likes to say, you, you basically need to get a certain amount of quad one and quad two wins. If West Virginia remains quad three, like. That's why you say eight and ten ninety nine in the Big Twelve. That sounds right, but if it's against like with one of your wins is I don't even know if it played in Stillwater off the top of my head, but let's say two of your wins are a home against Oklahoma State and at West Virginia. Those are quad three games. Like that doesn't do you any good. That's why, unfortunately, the way that it shakes out, I think it matters who you beat if you are nine and nine still. They well, I mean, to your point, they've got they go to UC, or they go to UCF too, so that's going to be a quad two win at best uh, in all likelihood. Uh, now UCF could jump back into that top seventy five. They're close enough to where that's a possibility to be a quad one. They get West Virginia at home still, so and then they do play Oklahoma State in Manhattan and go to Oklahoma State on February third. So you are talking that they could technically win six games and all of those be in the league and all of those be quad two or quad three. So you're right. They they are going to need to knock off, which to your point on Baylor, I actually think they have a, a, a decent shot. I watched Baylor again last night. The, look, they got talent. I, I think they could knock Baylor off in Manhattan. They could knock anyone off in Bramlage. Not saying they will, but right. every game in Bramlage is winnable. Yep. Uh, so you're right. I mean, and K State currently, it's kind of it's so bizarre because they played a stronger schedule, but they're 0 1 in quad one games right now. Yeah, except so, Nebraska, Nebraska's a quad one. No, they're quad two still because they're only because in in the net DY because it was a home game. They're 46 in the net. They jumped from 58 to 46 with their win over number one Purdue last night, but they got to be top 30 because it was a home game, What's and so. Loser? What's my Miami on a neutral court because Miami is 38th in the net neutral courts top 50. And it doesn't matter if Nebraska goes at a quad one anyway, you lost it. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not like it's going to be a bad loss either way at this point. They're clearly going to be a, yeah. I mean, it, it's at the end of the day, it was a bad loss in the sense of the way you played in the game, but Nebraska yeah. on in a bad loss in the sense that it could have been a golden opportunity. Cause you're looking at it now. If you had one day, 
and the way the Huskers are going and, and what I see from the Big Ten. I mean, that could have been a quad one win at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll need they'll need to rack up some quad ones for sure. Now Villanova Villanova is right there. So they're right there on the cusp. They're they're thirty three in uh, the net. So if they get into the top thirty and they were just in the top thirty, K State just a week ago had two quad one wins. Providence and Villanova snuck out. They need one or two of those non-con games to get into quad one territory and then it lessens your margin for error in the conference. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think Villanova has a shot to be a quad one. Now, Providence is 50, 54th in the net. They got to get in the top 50, get back in there. That's just going to be hard in the Big East without Bryce Hopkins, so who suffered a season-ending knee injury last week. So, unfortunate there, but maybe they can creep back into the 50. Kim English has done a nice job with that Friar squad. I think DY2, bigger picture, before we throw to one final break and uh, talk a little K-State football real quick on the recruiting trail, one thing to keep in mind, because we, we've, we've been pretty critical, everybody has been, of this team, right? But they, they sit here, and I know they've had some scheduling breaks, right? But they're 12-3. and three. And while some of these low major games they played against low majors felt like a loss in a sense because the way they played and barely stuck out with wins, they still won the game. They've lost one game since November 19th. They're, they've won nine of their last 10. I mean, they sit here 2-0 and in league play, and over the last 45 days, 40-plus days, they've lost one basketball game. So, and... Yeah. Yeah. And, in, and I know, like, we even have admitted it was a fortuitous start to the schedule considering who they played in the Big 12, but you now won your first two Big 12 games by 25 and 14. I mean, he's, and one of them being on the road. I mean, conference play is conference play. Those are blowouts. Let me ask you this. If if you had known coming into the year that K-State would have, let's say they would add their full complement of the roster of Naquan Tomlin and Quez Glover, you knew that was the whole roster, and they were 12-3, and three, would you have taken that through 15 games? Yeah, and I guess I would have assumed that the losses were to Villanova, Miami, and USC. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, like if you would have told me personally that they'd be 12-3 and three and they would add their full complement of players, I would have said, I'll, I'll take that. You know? So... Yeah, you know, now it, we'll see where it goes the rest of the way. They got Texas Tech on Saturday. Speaking of quad one opportunities, Texas Tech now two and zero in the league. Uh, you know they're going to go into Lubbock. It'll be an energized crowd. The Red Raiders are thirteen and two overall. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State's ninety to seventy three last night. They uh, they got some talent, and they're you know Grand McCaslin's doing a nice job there. So real opportunity there. But I think it, to your point earlier, if you could if you could split these next two games between Tech and Baylor and then you got Oklahoma State and Bramlage, you can be talking about a four and one start. And that would be uh that'd be terrific. So all right. Well uh we will uh we'll throw it a one final break here. Uh, we're gonna talk uh, DraftKings real quick and tell you about our friends and then we'll talk K State football. But gotta tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs is bringing you an offer that helped make the playoffs electrifying New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 250 or 200, I'm sorry, 200 instantly in bonus bets. Go over to DraftKings, download the app, check out all the lines on the NFL games this weekend. Check out the Chiefs Dolphins line as well and where that's at. Get some money in on the action. Uh, check out college basketball as well, Kansas State this Saturday. It's Texas Tech. Those lines come out around 24 hours before tip off. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for a problem gambling. Call 887-89777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, D.Y., uh, K-State football, recruiting, transfer portal updates. I think we are expecting some good news here probably in the next 24 to 48 hours. We're recording this for transparency on Wednesday morning, um, and uh, we are expecting Kansas State to, in all likelihood, land a receiver transfer, something they've been badly coveting. We know they want a couple of receivers, and we think they're going to land Dante Cephas in the near future, transfer from Penn State previously at Kent State. Before that, what what do you make of the significance? Assuming that they land Cephas, what do you make of the significance of that? Uh, pretty major, just because of the dire need that they had at the position. They lost a lot of receivers post scholarship and walk on, and they need to replenish the position with a little bit more depth. He provides that uh, a proven player, a productive player. Slowed down a little bit at Penn State this past year. There, there's some you know. Stats out there that suggest he's got a little bit of a dropsy issue, so uh, they'll have to rectify that if that is the case. But I also don't turn my nose up at his numbers too much at Penn State because I'm not sure there's a receiver that can really do a whole lot of damage or production in that offense, at least pre-Andy Kotelnicki, at least with Drew Lar as well. Uh, I think you're kind of limited in what you're able to do as a wide receiver um, because of that. The significance would be that the last time he had a really good season, he had two very good seasons, and it was for Matthew Middleton at Kent State. So I I think this is significant um, and a very good thing for Kent State. Look, you're talking about a FBS transfer wide receiver with almost 3,000 yards, maybe over 3,000 yards receiving. I'll have to fact check down a little bit. Um, as Kansas State, I, I think you got to be thrilled with that level of production um, and, and it's not a situation where I think he has to be a number one. So that might be even an ideal spot for him um, in that vein. So I think this is great for Wildcats. I think they should be very excited. Um, it's a guy, again, with a lot of production at this level of football. Even if last year wasn't as good as he wanted it to be, you beat out what I believe would be UCLA and Pittsburgh for him as well. And that at the end of the day, I haven't actually been as concerned as wide receiver as some just because you see the amount of effort and attention that's being placed on it. Like, I know people are like, oh, are we going to lay on one? Are we going to lay on one? Look, you try this hard. You're in the game for this many good wide receivers. They didn't, like, go for the bottom of the barrel here. They went for the best wide receivers in the portal, and you're going to have swings and misses because of it. So at the end of the day, I didn't have a lot of consternation or concern about what was going to happen at the wide receiver position in the transfer portal. More of my concern is the other positions that they still have to address that you've heard less about. Yeah. So let's let's give you some numbers on Cephas here real quick. And you, first of all, with Penn State. So he had 22 receptions for 246 yards at Penn State this year. You mentioned Drew Aller, five-star quarterback recruit, but James Franklin and this offense were a disaster. 
They fired Mike Yersich, their offensive coordinator, midway through the year. There's a reason they went out and hired Andy Koldenicki. There was no downfield passing attack. If you look at Penn State's numbers, Cephas was fifth on the team in receiving yards overall, but he was second on the team out of all their wide receivers. Three of their top five receivers and yards were two tight ends and a running back. And if you watch Penn State, they don't throw the ball downfield. I don't put a lot of that on Cephas. I trust what he did at Kent State. Now, I know that's in the MAC, but Dante Cephas, in his two years at Kent State, he had the 1,200-yard season in 2021. Uh, and people say, well, he had Tez Walker with him, who's now going to probably be a first-round pick, right? Now, he went to North Carolina, Tez Walker did. Well, Tez Walker in the 2021 season with Dante Cephas had five catches for 124 yards. He wasn't playing a role in what Dante Cephas did in his best year of college football. In 2022, when Dante Cephas had around 780 yards receiving, Tez Walker had 921 yards that year. Dante Cephas would have had another 1,000-yard-plus season, but he missed five games due to injury that year, and he still had 780 yards. He was first-team All-Mac each of his two last two seasons at Kent State in both 2021-22, had 130 receptions for 1,984 yards, 12 touchdowns in those two years, uh, 10 100-yard receiving games in his two seasons at Kent State, 30 receptions of 20 yards or more, 13 of at least 30 yards, and 10 of at least 40 in that span at Kent State. Third all-time leading receiver with Kent State as well. And D.Y., just uh, some numbers on where he ranks in the transfer portal. Number 63 overall player, according to On3, in the entire transfer portal throughout this process. So you think about the, the there's more than 1,000 guys, what, probably 1,500 in the portal. He ranks 63rd overall currently in the On3 transfer portal rankings. You break that down by wide receiver. He's ranked as the number 12 wide receiver in the entire transfer portal. And if you actually look back to last year when he transferred to Penn State out of Kent State, on three had him as the number 15 player overall in the entire transfer portal. Uh, so think about this. It, it's a fresh start for Cephas getting to a receivers coach that he knows and Matthew Middleton who coached him. I think it's a really good ad and uh, you feel good about the receiver room at this point now with Keegan Johnson, Jace Brown, Dante Cephas, and then a guy that we, we expect good things from next year based off what we're hearing and Trey Spivey who's that bigger wide receiver. So I'm excited for it. I think it's a I think it's a great addition. Yeah, they're probably not done there. So, any any other names you think that they any update on? I know Malik Benson went to Alabama. Unfortunately, they thought K State thought they may get a visit. Um, Florida State. He went to Florida State. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He went to Florida State from Alabama. Any any other names that they may be chasing that you're hearing? I mean, I think Chaz Preston's visiting this week. If that is still on, I assume it is. Uh, you know, the Jerem Bradley thing is still looming, but the clock's running out on that, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, and Shannon Preston, did I say that right? Preston. Shaz, Shaz, I'm sorry. Shaz Preston, former top 50 receiver recruit in the country, only been in two years in college football. He didn't produce at Alabama yet. He redshirted, then he didn't do anything this year. I don't take a lot from that. I think there's still a ceiling there. Uh, so I would I wouldn't mind a guy like Preston as that second receiver with a higher ceiling and some eligibility remaining. Although, be it that that doesn't mean a lot with guys being able to transfer any time as well. Yeah, but, um, if if it was still a one time transfer, I would love it a lot more. Yeah, yeah I agree because if he blows up, you know, for K State, then you know, big dogs will be coming after him again. So uh, with how that goes, you mentioned before we wrap up here, just one final question. Uh, you mentioned there's some other positions that you would like to see them attack still that you may be a little bit more concerned about outside a receiver. 
what what are those? I assume still nose tackle, and then yeah. Now, now if they play some more four down stuff this year, or at least toss some four down wrinkles into it, then you can use the versatility of Alcorn Crowder and Javon Banks there. I, I would assume to supplement uh, Uso Samalo, Damian Lalio, Asher Tomaszewski. It still feels like you need a, one more, but I don't. I I don't know. Um, they seem like they want a linebacker, so that's another one. I think they want another offensive lineman. Like there, there's some things that still need to get done. So you wonder if there's probably more visitors than what has surfaced so far for this weekend. Yeah, and it's really probably the last big weekend you have before the spring semester starts to get guys on campus for visits. So I'm sure they're going to try and sneak some guys in. We fascinating to monitor, and uh, no better place to monitor than KSO over at K-State online on On3 Network. Go check out DUI's work, Drew, Mason, all the great work that they're doing over at KSO for the latest recruiting information, coaching updates, et cetera. Um, they've got you covered with everything college basketball, Kansas State basketball. So go check them out and uh, go check out homefieldapparel.com and uh, DraftKings as well. Get some bets in this weekend for all the action. Going to be a fun, crazy pack wild card weekend, college basketball on two, one of the best weekends there is. Uh, support 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Go out, get help Holiday Distillery out, get your products there. And I do want to mention, guys, we are uh, we are going to do a, um, a women's basketball pod, actually. I'm going to be recording with uh, K-State women's basketball analyst Missy Heidrich uh, tomorrow night, actually. So we'll have some women's basketball stuff. They play tonight against Oklahoma, and uh, then they play Saturday, a big one against Top 10 Texas. So we're going to get some women's hoops coverage coming your way as well. In addition to Jasmine's show, check out Jasmine's show, Run It Back, on KCSN. It's on the K-State channel, the Three Mall K-State channel. Check out her show, Run It Back. She had Jeff Mitty, K-State women's basketball head coach, on her show this week. Go check out her work and all the great things she's doing and covering that. Get the privilege tonight. Watch the girls get so cold if you can't. Yeah, they, they they deserve big crowds. Uh, pack the pack Bramlage. I think Saturday will be a huge crowd. You know, if people will fight the the cold weather, then the, hopefully the weather holds up and isn't too bad. So, get out there. They deserve it. Fifteen and one t- should be a top ten in the country. Somehow they fell a spot after dominating everybody. But uh, get out there, support them, and uh, be on the lookout for some more pods dropping later. And then we'll also drop a show with Curry at some point in the next week, probably to do a season wrap-up for football after everything falls in place. So appreciate you all. Appreciate DY for jumping on. And uh, appreciate you tuning in to 3Mall. Thanks, all. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.